HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Bresnitz. Before we get into the show, which we are very excited about, we want to make sure that you have voted, are going to vote on Tuesday, November 3rd, or have a plan to vote. If you still have your ballot, please drop it off at an official drop-off box or drop-off site. The mail is probably a little dicey right now, and you want to make sure that your voice is heard. And if you live in LA and you need a little help to get through the day and you need something to quaff, we hang out with Natalie Heckmat on today's episode from Voodoo Vin. She opened her new wine store with her partners during the pandemic and it is an absolute treasure and treat. If you're looking to pick up something curbside, both of the alcoholic and non-alcoholic variety, she has you covered. We talk about her way to natural wine, some recommendations for the holiday, and it's a really, really insightful and fun conversation. Then we head into the archives from an electro-pop performance in 2017 with Julieta. She talks about the killer music that she had coming out then, what it was like to be growing up in New York, and her mother, Sicilian Cooking, was, you know, her favorite in the Big Apple. She also has a single coming out, a new EP, and so we thought this would be a great way to shine a little light on one of our favorite performances in the last few years. And also, our book is out on Faden, Snacky Tunes, Music is the Main Ingredient, Perfect for the holiday season as well for those who love food, music, creative process, and just looking for a nice coffee table book. Head to Faden.com or SnackyTunes.com for all the info, including dates on our virtual tour. So please sit back and relax and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HRN. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes.
from time I'm chasing shadows cause you're scared of what I find But baby if the sun is what you need I'll bring you the heat per diamoci Natalie, hello. How are you? Welcome Hi. to Snacky Tunes. Hi, Darren. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for hello. taking the time out of uh, running the shop to sit down with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is like this is awesome. I'm so excited. Yes, and obviously, um, congratulations because Thanks. you opened um, end of summer, beginning of fall this yeah. year. And obviously, uh, with the pandemic going on, there is no protocol or right or wrong way to open a, a business during this time. But no. what led you to that decision to ultimately open the doors, you know, with, let's be honest, no end in sight for this coronavirus? <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it seems like it wouldn't make sense to open up a business during COVID times, but we had, um, you know, signed a lease uh, a few years back, uh, almost three years ago, um, and it was just time, you know. I mean, unfortunately, in Los Angeles, it does take quite a long time to open up a business of uh, retail, uh, alcohol, uh, to serve it, uh, to serve it with food. So we actually had to just wait. It was a quite a long process just to wait for all of those permits to be cleared and come through. Um, and it was, you know, right, I think, as COVID hit, we were about to open in March. And then when everything shut down, we had to kind of take a pause and reassess, like, what to do and mm. took our time to, um, you know, we started noticing that other, we, I mean, we noticed 
in and of itself that after like a month or two, we had heard from other wine shops that they were doing really well, that everyone was still drinking, that business was still flourishing, maybe even better now at that time, you know, uh, than even before. So I think that it kind of encouraged us to, or at least motivated us to kind of, you know, push forward and open. But we knew that by not having an online shop that it could potentially be a disadvantage. So we decided to focus on, you know, we had a ton of stock. It was like, you know, ready to go starting in January, but we decided to kind of take pictures, build a great website and kind of take it from there um, to give people the opportunity to shop from home, shop in their beds, shop, you know, uh, from their phones and kind of give them the opportunity to feel comfortable um, doing it in the comfort of their own home, whether they wanted to pick up or not, you know, totally up to them. You know, we offer local neighborhood delivery, um, you know, curbside, you know, uh, and we just wanted to give people that chance to see what kind of stock that we had. We had, you know, because we were supposed to open up earlier in the year and we didn't, we had a lot of stock that other wine shops had already kind of burned through already. So mm. it was it was kind of maybe a little bit of an advantage on our part to have had bottles that were long gone, like back in January and February. And as we opened towards the end of August, you know, beginning officially in September, you know, we had stuff that people hadn't seen in at least, you know, six, seven, eight months. So, so that was kind of great to kind of see people excited again, you know, seeing that, you know, these, you know, bottles that were, you know, that had kind of disappeared a long time ago and we, we were resting on them and they were kind of in our, in our wine cove and, and sleeping, kind of taking a long nap while we decided, you know, what the next step was, which was to kind of open, um, curbside. We don't let anyone in the shop, but you know, right, we do have, right. we do have that online. We do have that online shop to let people browse. You know, being stuck in pandemic, I'm sure that people were very excited to find wines that they thought they had quaffed completely <laughs> to be back in the mix, uh, end of, end of August, early September. Yeah. So, you know, um, I want to go back a little bit because opening up a wine store, and the journey that gets there is a long road. Yeah. And, you know, wine now sort of seems like a much more widespread drink. But even five, ten years ago, it wasn't that popular or mainstream or, as we'll get to in a little bit, the new record collection uh, and indie, indie rock artist analogy uh, <laughs> of the world. So how did you get into your own wine journey and um, how did you uh, start tasting wines? Well, I mean, I think that uh, it wasn't very like clear cut for me. I mean, when I was younger, I was probably like a tween and like I actually wanted to be a music video director. That was like <laughs> that was like what that's what I really, truly wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, but I came from like a like a multicultural like I was I'm first generation born here. My dad was born in Poland. He's Greek and Polish. Mm. And my mom is born in Iran. So I had like a family that was like where food was like, you know, it's kind of really, it's like the, it was like really the heart of like our home was like, my dad was, my mom is an amazing like chef, you know, um, uh, you know, she's, 
she's been, you know, amazing kind of teaching us like really cultural dishes from like when we were a young age. And my dad, a great, a great, a great cook himself, but really was someone who just like loved food. Like he really kind of like had a zest for life when it came to food. So I think that as I grew up and uh, found myself in New York in my early 20s, um, the music video, you know, the music video gig, uh, you know, directing kind of it didn't like fall through so much. It's just like I moved to New York and like, I just had to kind of pursue other avenues. And then as I, as I kind of trailed through, like trailed through like my twenties and like early to mid thirties, like in New York, before I had a kid, um, I met my, you know, then, you know, boyfriend, my, which is my now husband. Um, and we, we traveled a lot. I think being, uh, being in New York kind of gives you that advantage to be that much closer to Europe. So Mm -hmm. we, we traveled a lot. We traveled a lot for food. So that became like, when I met him, like, I think that, I mean, even before so, but I think that in my early twenties, it really kind of like propelled me to just seeking out, you know, like, um, this was even like before the days of like Bourdain, you know, like I really wanted to travel for food, travel to meet people. Uh, since I was 12, like I went on like a kind of like a little tour group with a, a friend of mine and her mom and it was, and it was all throughout Europe. And I think that I became very like, uh, like wanderlust, like travel hungry. And I loved being around people from different countries, different cultures. I loved what they ate. I was like a very curious kid. And I think that obviously kind of trailed into like my, as I grew older into my twenties and thirties, like it became like the main reason for me to work was to actually earn that paycheck so that I could like plan my next travels, like outside of like New York. And it obviously always led me not so much in America, but it always led me, I guess Europe was really kind of like the, the cheapest in terms of traveling like abroad. And it was, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I stayed at, you know, one, two star places, but I would spend, oh, yeah. I would spend most of my money on food and it wasn't wine at that time. I was too young. You know, I drank conventional wine back then. I didn't know anything but about, about wine so much. I mean, I started to kind of grow to love like you know, like cocktails. Like it was like the age of also like milk and honey, like those early, those like early days of like milk and honey, like, on like, yeah, you know, yeah, it was, it was amazing, you know? So like I was, I was, it was the food was a big thing. Like, you know, also meeting people, you know, from different countries, really getting to know their culture um, and, and kind of cocktails, wine. My dad was a big wino, but I think that uh, wine didn't actually, kind of come to me until I had my son. And I realized that the way that like we were like living and eating, going to the farmer's market, you know, supporting like small farmer growers, um, you know, always on like, you know, blogs and, you know, eater and like really trying to find out like what the new places that were popping up in like New York and like, you know, uh, in Brooklyn, like where, you know, Brooklyn was kind of very up and coming. Like when I was, you know, when I got to, you know, New York in, in 2002, um, Williamsburg was still, you know, Williamsburg was still was, was like getting some oh, popularity, yeah. but it was still quiet, you know? So it was, that was probably really the best time to purchase, you know, any kind of real real estate, if you kind of think about it, you know, but really, it really had some, 
you know, New York is just was really like the hub of, of, of great like food and dining. And if you were young, you know, I mean, you ate on the cheap, but like you really went to these like budget places like the carts and like the like just great, great spots, you the know, and like the dumplings in Chinatown. I mean, just like everything. I mean, like we like crawled. I mean, like I have crawled my my way around uh, New York and like such a, I mean, I mean and, and still you would never scratch the surface, you know what I mean? I, no. I, I was, I lived there for 15 years. Um, but it wasn't until I had my son and I was really kind of having, I don't know, it was, it was hard. It was hard being a mom in New York. I didn't have, um, the community and family that I needed out there. And I really, I got off, uh, you know, not that I was ever really into like social media, but like I got off social media. I didn't want to see what like anyone else was like doing. I didn't want to like involve myself and like feel that like I wasn't on like, you know, like, a, I, you know, I, it, it was like so important for me to kind of focus in on like what I was truly passionate about. And it was hard for me to kind of find my place with that after becoming a mom. And mm-hmm. I, you know, like, totally, you know, got off all social media, didn't want to actually know like what anyone was up to and really focused on reading. And like, I picked up the newspaper, I picked up a New York Times, like food article that I think my husband had passed over to me. And it was about biodynamic farming. And I read this article, and it was just it had talked so much about, you know, these small producers and how these wines, how their like, taste profiles, like, you know, are so different from conventional wine. Um, you know, their, their backstories are just like so super fascinating, you know, and it was just like, you know, and so many people also had career changes, you know, people worked in like finance or people worked for like their, you know, they, they worked for like their parents and like, you know, they, they, they were like, you know, they worked in like economics, you know, they, they like, they all, and so many of them had these career changes. And I feel like I was at that point in my life where I like needed a change in my own life. And I, I read this article so intrigued by the stories behind these winemakers that I went to my local wine shop and I asked if they had any, you know, you know, organic, biodynamic, natural wines. And um, that was, I was living in Greenpoint at the time and Dandelion Wine was like, you know, two blocks oh, yeah. down. Yeah, two blocks down from my apartment. And um, <clears throat> there was, um, you know, the girls there were, were great. Um, and there is one particular girl, her name was Meg, and she actually has um, a wine shop in the Catskills right now. She moved out of um, out of uh, Greenpoint and moved upstate with her husband. And uh, they introduced me to wine. And then like from Dandelion became like a four, I became like a patron of like Four Horsemen and like Four Horsemen, like the gang at Four Horsemen, like they all became such close friends of ours. And I just drank at Four Horsemen constantly and was like learning so much about like, you know, farmy wines, barnyard wines. Why is the smell there? Uh, What's tasting clean? Like what, what, you know, what blows off? Like it it just like, it kind of blew my mind. The fact that there was this whole new world out there of people that were so welcoming. So um, they were so like endearing. They were so approachable. It wasn't like a snobby wine world. you know, everyone was just really friendly. They spoke to you as if you, if, even if you didn't know anything, they just spoke to you as if, you know, you were just like a friend over at their house and they made everything very approachable and welcoming, which is kind of what I appreciated. So 
I did that. I did I, like a, I went to kind of, I did like a, a program in New York to kind of learn the basics of wine. Cause I thought I knew about wine and I didn't know anything about wine. So I kind of found that foundation at that school and, you know, some of like the great, you know, wine teachers like Pascaline, uh, she was one of my teachers. Um, she knows everything about, you know, she's, she was such a huge inspiration for me, but she, you know, it, I just was so fascinated to learn about everyone's story and to feel more comfortable and learning more about wine. And it kind of, I knew from the moment I started drinking natural wine that I wanted to eventually open up my shop in Los Angeles. Um, and obviously the shop now is going to be a wine bar because um, I kind of wanted to go even a step further and kind of bring like, you know, chefs into the mix. So um, mm. but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was not a clear cut road. It was just, you know, it all came from, a from a loss of, you know, direction, you know, after I had my son and then uh, an article kind of changed everything for me. So, um, I, I mean, it's pretty amazing what you talk about uh, the second acts or the continuation of things that mattered to you, but now refocus through a different artistic discipline or product. And I know we alluded to it earlier at the top of the show, but you know, even with four horsemen, you have Justin Cherno, right. Who's in Turing machine, James Murphy, LCD sound system. Yeah. You know, so many people who were into music, um, into bands and things like that, who are now into wine, both on the provision, collecting, producing part with, you know, some of these producers really being like indie rock sort of legendary, type of people and the analogy isn't lost on a lot of people that a lot of these wine people who were so obsessive about music um are now making some of the best natural wines in the world (laughs) what have you found and why do you think that happened i mean i think that there's definitely like a thread you know between music and wine i mean when i look at my you know, I have like a massive like wine shelf um, at the shop, you know, and we have like over, you know, like 400 like different, you know, producers and we have, you know, wine in the cove. And I, I like I really look at it almost like a like a wall of like records, you know what I mean? Or like a wall of books, you know, like mm. really, really each one. And I try to explain it to people. I'm like each one of those bottles, each one of those records like has its story. You know what I mean? Like those producers have a story. I think that that's what, what kind of like humanizes, like they're all of those producers are also like these like farmer growers, but like, you know, they also have their own past, you know, they do have some, most of them do have those second acts, but like each of those bottles really tells a story of like a time and a place. And I feel like Mm. records themselves or, you know, music themselves, I feel like you'll never forget, just like you'll never forget the time. I mean, there, it's it's almost like a it's almost like a two part. It's like first of all the the where that bottle was made, the 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 climate that it was made, the year that it was made. I mean, it it's you know every bottle of every cuvee of that same bottle will change from year to year. It's also just like it's really a time for me. I think of them as time capsules. You know, it's it's really like a a very affordable ticket to that person's winery, like at that time and place of like how the grapes were that season, what the climate was, was it a warm, you know, winter? Was it a, was it a cold, was it a cold winter? You know, it really affects the flavor profiles of the bottle, but like the personality really comes through how the winemaker tends to the land, 
you know, uh, obviously these wines and the vines are like, you know, untreated, you know, they're really expressive, but also like in that second part, it's like, you remember where you had these wines just as much as you remember when you listen to like a record or like a song, like, you know, like the time and the place, like, like when I look back to like my childhood and like the eighties, like, and growing up and like watching MTV and like listening to the radio constantly, I was like, you know, huge, like music was everything to me. So I will like never, I'll never forget like the time and place when like I heard like my first like Cure album, you know what I mean? Or like Disintegration, you know, like I'll like never forget like the time and the place. I think that people don't. I think that people who are obviously very passionate and attached to music will never forget kind of the time and the place where like they were during, you know, a period where they had like listened to like an album just as much as you're having a bottle of wine. Like you'll never forget also how an album or a wine can like change you, you know? Yeah, someone I agree who, on that. like someone who like might not even be into jazz might listen to something and like the the right like atmosphere, the white environment. And like, you know, if maybe they're not like a big fan of it at one point, you know, you could totally change your perspective, like just depending on the right person, maybe telling you about like a backstory or like telling you or like kind of putting you in like the right situation. Maybe it's not about the right sound system, but like, you know, maybe having you listen to something that really like clicks for you and something that you could really connect with. So I feel like there is really such a backstory behind these bottles, but also like, you'll never forget like those, you'll never forget those experiences. And I think that just like music can be kind of a time capsule to like a time and a place. I just feel like bottles, wine bottles, like these natural wine bottles carry much of the same weight. Yeah. I just wish I could keep going back to the same bottle the way I, I know back me to the too. same album I know I'm like too. I'm like oh I'll just spin this again and it's right. like no you 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 drank that <laughs> right about three months ago <laughs> right, um, exactly. um all right we're gonna take a quick musical break and then we're gonna get into the actual store itself uh Voodoo-Vin, which is absolutely gorgeous and even peeking from outside I could project myself at the bar for quite a few hours in the months to come. Uh, we have a song, Deep the Archives, and then we'll be back with Natalie Heckmat here on Snacky Tunes on HRN. Shines and let it in 
Let it go, whether I love you so I've got to let you know that You could be my slamming mannequin girl Rock the greatest fashions and let it in, baby Who's to say that you're not falling in love with me, baby You can be my slamming mannequin girl Rock the greatest fashions and let it in, baby Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are still here with Natalie Heckmat, owner of Voodoo Vin, which the saddest thing I think about all these places that, well, I mean, there's so many sad things. So I'll just say one <laughs> of the sad things is that um, all these new spaces, you know, you pour your heart into this, you have this vision of like what a Thursday night feels like, what a Sunday afternoon feels like, what a you know, Friday people in the shop gearing up to like the start of the weekend and no one can go in. Now I've been lucky enough to be at the door to pick up wine and peek in. And it is, it is not just a a gorgeous space, but very indicative of other sort of wine caves of Paris and London. You definitely get that. Yes. You spent your time in Europe doing some research and drinking some bottles because it translated into a way that I haven't really felt or seen in LA. Right. Um, I've seen like a lot of cool shops. I've seen a lot of cool Tokyo record style bars, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen them combined. Right. So what made you want to combine both the retail and then the actual drinkable space uh, and to create something new that doesn't really exist in the city? Well, I think that uh... – just from traveling, like when I got into natural wine, like I started, you know, Paris, like I used to go to Paris, like for food, you know, like Verbolet, like I, it's so amazing mm. that I went to all of these places and probably had natural wine, but didn't like, it didn't like my journey of natural wine, like hadn't yeah. actually like, uh, you know, it didn't like come into like fruition. Like it didn't actually like, it wasn't like 
partnered up like hand in hand yet. So, um, but I, you know, I started going to, you know, as like my journey was kind of ending like in New York and like, I knew that I was planning on coming to Los Angeles, like my fire for like the hunt for like these natural wine bars, like it kind of like fueled this, like, I don't know, this, like, like it it was like a, it's like the passion that I had for Paris already just was just like on fire. So I started really going to all of those like natural wine bars. I mean, I'd already been to like Chateaubriand. I had been to like Vervolet. Um, I'd been to, um, you know, a, a bunch of these spots, but now it was like Paris had like a whole new purpose for me. So I, I, I traveled to Paris. Uh, I was able to travel with a friend of mine that I worked, uh, back in the day. We were both kind of in the fashion industry for a, for a, a period of time. His name is Morgan McGlone and he's, um, he's like a really good, um, he's like kind of like one of my closest friends and he has a Bell's hot chicken in, um, in Australia. So he was very much into natural wine and, I think as soon as he found out that I was into natural wine, we decided to go to Japan together. So when we went to Japan, um, it, it that was just, that kind of blew my mind. So it was around this time, two years ago that we went on that trip and it was a short trip. I had, my son was, you know, being looked after by, you know, the grandparents for like six days and we kind of hustled our way through Kyoto and Tokyo And I really understood, like, it was really important education for me to go there and really find out what people were drinking, what the vibe was like, um, Mm -hmm. how, like, you know, how comfortable and like, well, and actually so similar to Paris. I mean, of course, you know, it's just like, I feel like they're, they were so similar to each other. And then of course, like I traveled to London to you know, go to, you know, some great wine bars over there, like P. Franco, Bright, um, you know, Braun as a restaurant. I mean, like these places, I think really inspired me to both have that kind of cave a manger experience where you could both, you know, take a bottle to go or to, to kind of have like a, you know, like a low corkage fee, uh, at the shop. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have some, small, small plates, maybe some uh, like rotating, um, you know, residency chefs, you know, that kind of come in and out like every, you know, season or six months. So like the, I was like very, I think I'm very inspired by like the residencies of like, you know, P Franco is like a huge inspiration, you know, um, the food that they're putting out on two induction burners, like blows my mind. Like they have like absolutely no kitchen and we don't have a kitchen either. I mean, like we have induction burners, um, you know, Braun is like putting out amazing food, like Vervolet. Like, it's just like that kind of where like people are doing so much with so little, like it's, it's, and like their wine lists are just like, you know, it's, they're approachable. You know, you definitely have like affordable bottles and you have like your kind of like, you know, back end, like, you know, aged, uh, you know, like these wines have been like aged for like, you know, 10 plus years. I noticed that in Japan that like, you know, their cellar is like full of like, you know, fresh stuff, you know, and then also it's like full of, you know, wines from like 10 years ago. And it's just like, it showed me that aging, there's so much potential in aging with these natural wines. And, you know, it just, I wanted to kind of like marry all of it together. I wanted to marry like the approachable aspect. I mean, obviously love like Four Horsemen, love, you know, Justin Chirino. Like I'd like, I really love like, and respect these people that have worked so hard to, 
put together these really neighborhood um, approachable wine bars where no one feels that anyone is like above each other. Like we're all in it together. It's a community of love. Like it's really a community of education. I really wanted my place to be because I don't know everything about wine. Um, mm. and, and, and I wanted it to continually just be a space of education. Like I wanted to continually like a, a just like school, like I wanted to continue to educate myself. And through that, through these tastings that we do every day, also educate my customers just because some people know and some people don't. And I don't want anyone to feel that um, uncomfortable by the experience. I don't want anyone thinking that this is like a boys club or like, I mean, it's actually just me and, and I have employees that are actually, it's, it's, we're all girls. Um, Mm. <laughs> not sure how that happened, but like, I, I mean, I love, I love my ladies, you know, and they're like work so hard, but like, I am really representing like, you know, the female aspect of like the natural wine community, which I'm really proud of, but I don't want people to ever feel that like wine itself is just like natural wine, at least itself is not, I, it's not a trend. And it's also something that's like, not uh, something approachable. It's like, there is something for everybody also at every price point too. You know, it's not that these wines are, they might not be $8, you know, they might not be something you might find at Trader Joe's, but like there is something affordable for everyone looking to kind of start their journey. But there's also like bottles that are like very special occasion bottles too, that like you could splurge on that are very special. And there's a reason like why, you know, I mean, with some age and time, like there's, there, there are definitely those bottles, like those records that we were talking about, you know, that really will like blow your mind. But just because a bottle is expensive doesn't necessarily mean that that the $18, $20 bottle also will blow your mind. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't have to do with price. I think it's just the experience themselves and, and what the grapes are kind of being and how they're expressed that season. I, I, I love that. And I love that you're thinking about the experience in the spot when you are open. And I would love for you to take a moment since we don't have the luxury of being inside the spot to think of a moment when the restaurant the, the is open or the, the food is being served and wine is on, like pick a night, pick a day of the week, pick an afternoon, who's cooking, what's playing. Like what can people expect when, when they're walking through the doors when this is all done? I mean, um, we – I think that I like really imagine that like, you know, any night of the week um, – I don't know, maybe let's say it's like a Wednesday or a Thursday night. And like, Perfect. I really like imagine, I don't know who would be the chef at the time. I mean, that would really, uh, I can't imagine like who that would be, but I really look forward to the day to finding someone that, you know, um, that really like, ins like inspires me, uh, like, and, and it kind of really inspires like Voodoo Van to, to really, you know, to really, uh, like emulate, you know, and, and really kind of uh, be the space where, you know, we could get creative with food. Like we could go to the farmer's market. We could really support like our growers here in Los Angeles and like mm -hmm. really put out some really fantastic dishes that isn't just kind of your basic charcuterie. It's, you know, I mean, that, that would be lovely. And, but I, like, I really kind of want some, I want the dishes to kind of be a little bit I want, I want it to be thoughtful. You know what I mean? I don't want just like your basic like sandwich. You know what I mean? Like I, I really want the dishes to be thoughtful. I really want to support the community of Los Angeles when it comes to, 
um, when it comes to produce, when it comes to meat, when it comes to, I like just as if, like, I just feel that it all goes hand in hand. Like it's all sustainable. It's all, you're supporting your farmer growers. I mean, like our tables are made out of like sustainable, like, uh, uh, um, trees, you know, that, that had like fallen like in Los Angeles and we used angel city lumber, like downtown to actually like recycle the trees into our tables. Like it's important for, it's it's important. I mean, even like my toilet paper is like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like everything that comes down to it. I feel like we're trying to be as thoughtful as possible. And I want, I think our food to be reflective of that, of the reflective of the seasons. Um, And I, we have this amazing, um, um, like a sound system uh, that we put in place through our friend, uh, Zach Cowie. And he was originally a part of um, In Sheep's Clothing. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't think that he, he kind of set it up, you know, he's not a part of it, you know, anymore, but, um, but Zach really turned us from, you know, we were like really thinking like, should we get like Sono speakers? And I could just felt that like the heart of like the heart of Udavan is not just the food. It's not just the wines. It's not just the people. Like it's also the sound. It's the music. Like whether someone wants to come in for a glass of wine and just be other, they're alone, you know, and they want to just kind of, you know, trail into their thoughts and like have a glass and whether they want to make friends with someone next to them, you know, obviously up to them, but like the music I think is so much like a part of the space too, just because that's so part of like my soul is just like that, that passion for music. So we have these, you know, vintage, you know, uh, you know, we, is it like clip, 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 clip speakers, you know, uh, mm. it's like the vintage, uh, we have like these like kind of massive, like vintage speakers and we have, you know, uh, a Japanese, uh, and Japanese amp. And like, it was really important for him for even us to like, even when it came to like the wiring of like kind of putting it together. I mean, he, he was so nice, uh, and it was like so kind of him to actually give us like the wiring that like is like they actually use in Japan. So like even the wow. wiring that's going in, like from the cob, like into the speakers is like this, like Jap. And he says it all affects the sound. So it's really important for, you know, I mean, we play everything, even having no one inside the shop, except for, you know, me and my employees, like it's, it's, we we're playing everything from like, I'm- you know, jazz to like, you know, like 80s, like I'm such an 80s baby, you know, so like we're listening to like 80s, we're listening to like classic rock, you know, we're listening to, you know, like, um, uh, God, like everything that you could think of, you know, I mean, I have, I have, um, and we're planning on actually getting like a turntable, I think in time, you know, so we'll, we'll start collecting the records. But, you know, it's like really kind of important, like, you know, we're going from like Shangri-La, you know, we're going like from like the 50s and 60s to like ESG and like, you know, um, you know, we have like Fila Kuti and like Beach House and like Radiohead. I mean, like it just kind of goes, it goes in like all directions. But I think that music is like very key to like the experience. And I just want people to feel, um, I just want people to feel at home. I love it. Yeah. Well, speaking of home, we're heading into the holiday season and I would be remiss not to ask you for some recommendations for Thanksgiving and then the winter holidays, but also because I have run into this, you know, I crack a bottle, I have a couple of glasses at home, I don't crush it. Some tips for keeping that wine fresh. So maybe some recs first and then end on the freshness. 
Okay, so I would say recs for the holiday season. I think that we're kind of, I mean, I know LA is doesn't really kind of give off so much autumnal vibes like now. It but is gray right now. It, it is as small as it gets. It, it is true. And we are, I think it's going to rain this weekend, which is very exciting. So, very um, exciting. Uh, so I would definitely say, I mean... Uh, I always want to kind of veer towards those like light, um, chillable reds, you know, something Mm. that, something that drinks like kind of, oh, it's almost bordering like deep rosé, but like the light reds are always just like singing. They just like remind me of, they remind me of fall in New York, you know, of like, this just like rainy kind of like gray days. And like, I just, you know, I'm trying to like bring that, those vibes, you know, to, to the shop. So, you know, and, and. Uh, you know, some of my favorite regions, you know, in France are, you know, the Loire Valley, you know, um, you have the Auvergne, you have Jura. So like, I have, you know, an incredible producer, his name is Francois Rousset Martin, and he has some like incredible like whites, you know, like even for Chardonnay, even for the people who might be like, you know, and I was like this too, you know, like a, maybe you're not a big fan of Chardonnay, but like he has like these like expressive, like mineral driven Chardonnays that will not remind you anything like what your parents drank in California, like in the eighties, you know, like these are like very expressive, but for me, it's all about those light reds, like the Trousseau and like the Plusards and like the Gamay's like Gamay, like the Gamay and the Plusards and like the Trousseau and the Grolos. I have some of those from you in my fridge right now. Right. So, I mean, like the Pinot Dany, like you have like, you have so much of those kind of crushable, like crunchy, like there's such like crunchy, bright, like fresh reds that I would like recommend. Um, and I mean, we, we have so many from like Alex Foyard, which is the son of Jean Foyard. He's part of like the original kind of gang of four in Beaujolais. We have some incredible ones from Bot Rouge in the Jura. We have some in the Auvergne from, um, Gosh, we got some we got some secret bottles in the shop that like I can't wait to share with people. But uh, we have some great ones from like Domain Moss. Uh, we have we have so many, you know, that I I like can't wait. Also, like bubbles. Like I think that people are, you know, I, we like went through a phase where everyone was having like pet nuts, and I think that people think that like if you're having anything with bubbles, that it's just for something celebratory but Mm -mm. bubbles are really refreshing i think it's something that you could have like throughout the day like into the evening obviously a paro hour is like and i you know a great time to have bubbles you could have bubbles like throughout dinner i think that it's not you know these bubbles aren't like as aggressive as you know champagne and obviously you have your great champagne drinkers that that definitely like are you know want champagne even throughout dinner but like pet nuts or sparkling wine that have, you know, different methods to kind of, you know, re-ferment and give them those bubbles. Like there, there's, there's not a reason to like not have bubbles to kind of, you know, throughout the day or maybe to start a meal. Like they're really light and easy. They, yeah. they kind of, they kind of set the tone like for the night and like they're, they're, it's, they, they're the ones that definitely get crushed, I think the fastest. So, um, yeah. all of them those are, go. Yeah, they just yeah, exactly. And like, they just have low alcohol. So it's just like, it's super easy if you're sharing it with someone like to just crush it, you know, so I would definitely say, you know, for the holiday season, I mean, I tend to, you know, veer on those on I still love my mineral whites, but like, you know, definitely those light reds or like deep rosés are just, you know, Mm. they're still calling for the season. So those would be my all time favorite, obviously, skin contacts, you know, that have, some light to like deeper macerations is like very 
um, you know, you definitely get those like fall feelings, like when it comes to some skin contacts that have like a little bit of like, you know, these kind of like tea, like kind of oolong notes to it, you know, a bit of like stone fruit, you know, the colors are like, just like stunning. They have a bit of like, you know, that bitter kind of like tannic crunchy structure to it, but they're all really, really beautiful. And we have so many bottles to share with people. Like I can't wait until Thanksgiving comes. I feel like we have like an abundance of like Thanksgiving and like think like like uh, November wines, you know, like that are kind of gearing up towards Thanksgiving. So we're really excited to share. Amazing. Yeah. And what about freshness? Freshness for me, I have found that um, if a wine can hold itself to the next day, some wines kind of lose their vitality from day one, and some actually mm-hmm. do. Some do better even on day two and three. So for me. If you're not going to have the whole bottle, I think mm-hmm. it's the oxygen that's in the, like the oxygen that's exposed, you know, in, in when you open up a bottle, I would cork it every time you're having, like people leave bottles open and that's great, but the bottle will change. Recork. Recork, you know, I would recork and also put it in the fridge. I think people mm. think that, you know, you're, and also these, I mean, we're not in New York where it's like super cold, you know, right now and your temperature of your household is like in the 60s, like, in a, especially in LA, I would say, um, unless you're in a cold environment, you know, which is great. But if you're in a place that's a bit warmer, I would always say best to recork and pop it in the fridge so that the temperature stays controlled. Because if your household is kind of waving up and down in temperature, it's going to change the structure of the bottle. So that's kind of my my biggest tip is always just put it in the fridge and with every glass, just like pop the cork in it right away. Amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, Natalie, thank you so much. Congratulations you. on opening. I'm looking forward to being at that bar. Thank you um, so much, Darren. Maybe not a Thursday night with, with the kiddo, <laughs> uh, but definitely on like a weekend or an afternoon or something like that. I know that when our daughter Josephine was uh, but four months old, we went to Paris and we have a great foot of her asleep in her um, her stroller at La Bouvette. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have the well. same, I have the same with my son at Chateaubriand and like he, he woke up right as we were paying the check. So it was yeah. actually, a, it was a perfect meal. It's a perfect meal. Well, listen, yeah. if people want to follow along, cause I know that you have great tips on Instagram or if people want to uh, order from the store, uh, where can they go? They could go to Voodoo Van LA on Instagram. They could call us at the shop. Uh, you could DM me on Instagram. Like I'm, I'm on Instagram all the time answering people's questions constantly when it comes to food suggestions or what's new in stock. So you could get a hold of us at the shop or you could reach out to us, you know, on the phone or you could come by and um, you could DM me, you know, that's probably the easiest. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Also, thank you, Jay Strell, for setting this up. We always appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, thanks, Jay. <laughs> Astral tip. Uh, we have another song from the archives and then a live band from the archives here on HRN. There was a girl next door back then. She didn't know how to fit in. Selling her Don't talk back, don't ask us why Just sit down quietly and smile Better to be seen than heard Is that what it means? 
will get hard, but don't walk away. Do what you have to do just to stay and make it your kind of day. Surrender to the stories in your mind. You'll never know what you at HRN have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, Food podcasts from HRN can provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new shows. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Julieta, welcome to the show. Hello. And hello, Cornelius. Hey, how's it going? 
You are a born and bred New Yorker. Yes. Very rare breed. And you still live here. Most yes. of them like, escape. <laughs> what is it that kept you in the city? And how did the city influence the music that you make today? Oof. This question is uh, difficult because I am very um, the type that loves to run away and uh, to just get out. But New York is just, everything is here, so it's kind of hard to get used to anything else. But I love to just get out and to explore and then realize how amazing New York is and then come back. Do you have a ritual when you come back? Is there a first thing that you do or a first place that you go eat at? My mother um, is an amazing cook. Uh, she's Italian. They're, my parents are Sicilian. And every time everyone's like, oh, what's your favorite restaurant in New York? I'm like, honestly, my mom's kitchen. What is mom's specialty? The pasta, like any pasta. Um, From scratch? Yes. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry that I asked. <laughs> you just yeah, shot yeah. me a look. It's, how, uh, how could, <laughs> what other way is there to make pasta? I didn't know. A, I've never it's seen funny. it. It's <laughs> funny. It's like this reoccurring thing because whenever my friends are like, you want to come over and uh, we'll make some food, we'll make a pasta. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm so excited. I come over and some pe- sometimes they open like jars of like pre-made sauce that they find somewhere and I'm like what is this we make our sauce from scratch at Snacky Tunes yeah I've I've never been able to once we started making it from scratch I've never been able to go back there's just a thin wateriness that doesn't or sometimes if you have to get it from there you have to reduce reduce it Mm -hmm. from the jar just so it tastes a little bit like something yeah and honestly like it's so simple to cook you just like put things together and you just put a little bit of love into it and then you get some time yeah put on a couple favorite records and it's done yeah patience and what else besides the pasta does does mom cook oh so well uh milanese really well and i grew up without frying things my mom just doesn't fry so everything is baked so it's great because it feels like it's fried because it's really crispy but it's healthy do you cook as well yes what is your specialty? Um, my specialty would be just to throw a bunch of random things together and make it taste really good. <laughs> yeah, so it's like kitchen kitchen cooking. Yeah, yeah. Kitchen yeah. fridge. Super like home yeah. warm vibes. And you also spend your winters in the jungles of Nicaragua. I did this year. Yeah. How did you find that place or how did it call out to you? Um I have a bunch of friends here that do really cool things, and um, one of them happens to be one of the guys that started Madeiras Village. And what, what is Madeiras Village? It's this community in Nicaragua where um, you can go and stay there. It's kind of like a hotel, but they also have a yoga community, music, surfing, so you get to do pretty much all of that. Um, with super cool artists that come through all the time. There's a really cool recording studio there, so that's why I was just like, yeah. You're like, hmm, <laughs> are you, oh, when, <laughs> when's the studio open? That's when I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what was it about being in Nicaragua that inspired your music or helped fold itself into the way that New York inspires you? Well, they're, com- they're completely different. Um, there was no time there. There's no watch. There's no gotta go, gotta be there, gotta do this, gotta do that. It's kind of just like do whatever the hell you want. Um, and here it's always like, oh, sh- I have so many people I got to go see and so many things and the subway and this and that. So it was really just freedom that inspired me. Can we hear a song? Sure. What are you going to play for us first? I'll play you the song that uh, I wrote there called Beach Break with Jack Goodman that is in L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. 
Cause I'll move, I'll dance, I'll show you how to dance, baby. I'll dance, I'll show you how to dance, I'll move, I'll dance, I'll show you what I'm working with. See you looking over my way. Oh, I'll pretend as if it was the first. What's the problem? Did I affect you? We saw this coming, but will you stay? Cause I'll move, I'll dance, I'll show you how to dance, baby. I'll dance, I'll show you how to dance. I'll move, I'll dance, I'll show you what I'm working with. Bimbo, 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 bianco. We wanna dance, but we're swimming in a black hole. Pretty girl in the red dress Never thought this could be such a mess Cause I'll move, I'll dance I'll show you how to dance, baby I'll dance, I'll show you how to dance I'll move, I'll dance I'll show you what I'm working with Show you what I'm working with Show you what I'm working with You mentioned Jack as your co-writer on that song. Yeah. It's pretty interesting how it came together. Yeah. You met him randomly. Right. So um, I had a runaway moment, and I decided to go to L.A. for a month and see what I could find. Um, And so I was there looking around, playing with some people, and then five days before I had my ticket to go to Nicaragua, I was uh, meeting with this guy named Jack. And he happened to go to the... I went to Emerson College in Boston. And he happened to uh, be there the same exact time that I was there. And I never met him before. But in L.A. we met. And he showed me all these tracks. And Beach Break was one of the tracks that was in his folder. And I was just like, these are amazing. I would love to write on these. Um, Thing is, I'm leaving in five days and I'm going to the jungle. You should come with me. There's a studio there and we could have an amazing time. And he's just like, who is this crazy girl being like, come down to South, South Central America with me. Anyway, convinced him somehow. And um, Is it really that hard of a sell? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for like people that don't know how to take risks. It's hard. Sure. If you're people. if you're adverse to adventure and saying yes, it's, right. it's pretty difficult. It's, yeah. So anyway, second time I ever saw him was him roaming around in the jungle lost. (laughs) And I was like, hey, dude, what's up? (laughs) So then we became close and we started writing together. And then, um, yeah, we brought the track back and another friend, Stray Echo, helped us tighten it up. And that's what it is now. And there's some sounds from the jungle that are on the track, on the recorded track as well. Yeah, in the opening, you hear the jungle sounds. That it was just so much going on there, and so beautiful that I wanted to somehow figure out a way to take a piece back. So I told him to go out there and record the sounds, and we ended up putting it in there, which is like a thing that I actually really love to do because I did it again with my next song. It really sets the stage for it. Everything, you know, when it's pre-recorded, you just kind of don't know what the surroundings are, but it really gives you a sense of... And we heard the recorded version of Runaway at the beginning of the show, and you can hear you walking down the street yeah. and the airplane, which we'll get to, but I think for uh, Beach Break, it's really amazing to hear just the mindset and the actual location mm-hmm. that you're in. Totally. What are you going to play for us next? 
Um, this next song is called Hypnotize. I wrote it um, a couple of years ago with Strayaco, but I never got to release it, so here's a little special thing for you guys. new single runway has a similar origin to beach break about meeting a random guy yes and having a a chance encounter right (laughs) you met at a party and he invited you to come see him in italy right um and at first i was like that's crazy why would i do that i mean is it the same crazy that i mean come to the jungle jack (laughs) and i were strictly like uh professional (laughs) And the runaway was more him just being like, why not? We should just, like, go and have fun. And um, I'm all about adventure. And as, like, some people are like, what the hell? I'm just like, what? Why not? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I went. Um, 
and I got my Airbnb. I would be safe, but uh, but I went, and it was an amazing weekend. Just because I just love being uncomfortable and finding ways to figure it out. It's just a great way of growing, you know. I like that he sent you the tickets in November, but the trip wasn't until about March. March. <laughs> how did did he? How often did he check in? Every month he was like, "Hey, so are you still thinking about coming?" I'm like, "Yeah, well, the tickets there. I guess uh, we'll talk in another month. Let's see what happens." I mean, that's a really <laughs> slow and steady right. type of game, right? Yeah, totally. But I mean, like, I I'm living my life. He lives his life. I'm like, sure, we can have fun in a weekend in March. Just like I'll talk to you later when that happens. <laughs> how was the food? I mean, the usual amazing, yeah. It doesn't matter where you go, everywhere you're going to stumble into is amazing. Do you have a particular favorite food memory or coffee or spritz or all of them together? I mean, yeah, I had a amazing... Pesto is, like, such a simple thing, but when you do it right, it's like home. You know, it just feels like I'm in my bed, like, cuddling. <laughs> so I had an amazing pasta con pesto and burrata, obviously. And But I was literally only there for, like, 48 hours, so it was just, like, four meals. <laughs> Six months for 48 hours? Yeah, quick. <laughs> Must have been a, a good chance encounter. <laughs> totally. But it's that's the reason why it was so crazy is because it was so short and such a like random thing. If, if I were to stay there longer, it probably wouldn't have been so like fiery. you know. Right. It's like first night, last night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you. I can't believe I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> Bye. How did the song come out of it, the trip? Uh, so basically... Uh, my friend Stray Echo sent me the track uh, for Runaway to write on. And as soon as I got it, I was about to run away. So I wrote the chorus, I'd run away with you. And then while I was there, when I was getting to know him and getting to know the situation, I started writing the verse um, and the sounds I took right away because I knew that it would be like a cool thing to add to it. And what are the ambient sounds that you... Where are you located when you're recording the field? So the first... The opening is me walking um, along the Fiume, the river, uh, next to the old bridge that they have there. And I was literally walking to go meet him. And I thought, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to take these sounds. And then when I was leaving, I was like, I should just do the same thing. And when I was getting on the airplane, I took out my phone and, and even got the stewardess on there. <laughs> if you want to go and listen to the opening of the episode, you can hear the airplane, mm -hmm. which is a really cool way mm -hmm. to, to pull the track together. Yeah. And you have a sh record or song release uh, party coming up later this week. Yes, we are performing at New Blue um, on Avenue C Thursday night around like 8 p.m. And what can people expect for a song release party? I mean, just super cool people, my friends and fans, and also another friend of mine, Cole Trickle, is going to be DJing and he plays great music. So it's just going to be like good vibes. Amazing. Yeah. Good summer vibes. Yeah. It's summer. Vibes. Yeah, exactly. Feels like it. Uh-huh. We want to make time, make sure we have time for one more song, but where can people find you, get the songs? Uh, yeah, we're on Spotify and iTunes and all the above, SoundCloud. My website is juliettanyc.com. You can find some stuff there, or you can just look up Julietta um, online and find the songs. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Peter and Zach for coming by. We want to thank Jameson for kicking off our Snacky Tunes 5 big thank you to Kong and Darren as well and David out there in the booth. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week with another live episode of Snacky Tunes. What is the name of the song that you're going to take us out with? Runaway. Perfect. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for coming by. Thank you Thanks for, for listening. We'll see you next week.
been riding around on that all day Searching for the right things to say Let it go, let it spill into my mind I promise I will help you realign I'd run away with you, away with you Everything you wanna say to me, say to me I would take it anywhere for you, where for you I've been looking for a way I'd run away with you, away with you Everything you wanna say to me, say to me I would take it anywhere for you, where for you I've been looking for a way You're scared of what I'd find But baby, if the sun is what you need Oh, I, I'll bring you the heat Perdiamo is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization 
driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.